Dear God, I know I'm supposed to be thankful in all things, in all the seasons, through trials and tribulations, in good times and bad, but here I am in the middle of it, sad and overwhelmed. The world as I knew it is gone. People I love are suffering. The life I walk through is suddenly no more. I can't gather around a table and celebrate family. I can't hold hands with those I care about. Instead, grief and despair seem to be eager dinner guests. God, I don't feel like celebrating. But I sit at my table and I close my eyes, listening for that still small voice, the one that always manages to rise above all the noise of this life. I hear you, above the sadness, above the fear, above the bewilderment of all that has happened this year. There you are, whispering, be still and know that I am God. And I close my eyes and I take a deep breath and I find my thankfulness in a God who is still in control. Amen. The text for the sermon this day is taken from Psalm 136, specifically verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Anybody know the second half of that verse? Okay, just checking. Only said it a few times a little bit ago. So, but yes, that is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To start, I'm going to focus on that phrase. His steadfast love endures forever. And it is a phrase that finds itself many, many, many places throughout the scriptures. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, we didn't do all of the verses out of that. There's still another eight verses in there. So, and all of them had the same response. I just cut out a little bit. And there's also Psalm 118 that starts out with a very similar responsory. You also find it in 1 Chronicles. But that phrase is such an important phrase throughout the Old Testament. And it's the one that we can cling to. Because you go to, it is the one that carries all throughout scriptures, all throughout history. Genesis, when God created man. When he created man, he did not just say, let there be man. He could have, he did that all throughout creation. But when it came to the man, he took the dust from the ground that he had already made, and he molded him. He molded him into his image. And he breathed into his nostrils to give him life. And when he looked upon the man and he saw that all that he had, he realized that he knew it was not good for this man to be alone, so he gave him his very first gift, since being a, other than life itself, and that was he gave him a woman, his wife. And he created her from his side. 
And when he created them, he gave them eyes to see, to see beauty, the beauty of God's creation, the beauty of one another. He gave them ears to hear, to hear music, to hear the chirping of the birds, to hear the wind blowing through the trees, to even hear hear one another say, I love you, from the very lips that he created. Lips that would be, could be used to sing songs of praise. Lips that could, would be used to say, thank you. He, cre- he gave them arms. He gave them hands. He gave them feet. Feet, to, legs to walk upon. Arms and hands which they could do work. Arm, hands that they could use to even, just to feed themselves. Not to mention, he gave them plenty of food. Fruits, vegetables, all sorts of things to eat. Why does he give all these things? Because his steadfast love endures forever. When man fell into, the man and the woman fell into sin, and they had rebelled against God, he did not just destroy them, wipe them out. He took, sent them from the garden for their own sake, And he clothed them. He didn't leave them to fend for themselves. He clothed them himself. Because his steadfast love endures forever. Their descendant, Noah. He preserved Noah and his family in the flood. Because his steadfast love endures forever. He would give Abraham and Sarah a son. Because his steadfast love endures forever. When the people of Israel would find themselves in, enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years, he would lead them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm because his steadfast love endures forever. He would lead them across, dry gra- across the Red Sea on dry ground because his steadfast love endures forever. At Mount Sinai, he would give them commandments because his steadfast love endures forever. And through history, he would preserve Israel. Even during exile, he'd protect them from the the sadistic Assyrian Empire. He protected them. He preserved them because his steadfast love endures forever. And he preserved them because Within their line was a promise he gave to the first man and the first woman that the offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And so he preserved Israel all through those ages, working through people like Rahab or Ruth, people who, the unlikely of people, or even Bathsheba, the most unlikely of people he would work through to bring the birth of this child. Born in Bethlehem, as we will talk, we'll focus on in weeks to come. It happened because his steadfast love endures forever. And he who was born of Mary what is indeed God in the flesh. And when he grew up, he would, he would show that, that steadfast love. So, for example, when 5,000 people 
were in need of food, he would look upon them and have compassion, and with five loaves of bread and two fish, he would feed them, because his steadfast love endures forever. Or when a couple of few friends lowered another down through a roof, a man who was paralyzed, God did not, Jesus did not look at him and say, sorry, you can't do anything. Instead, he healed, he forgave his sins, and then he made him able to walk because his steadfast love endures forever. When the woman that was caught in adultery was brought to him, he didn't tell them to keep casting the stones. Instead, he protected her by saying, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he told her, sin no more because his steadfast love endures forever. When he was on the cross, there was a thief next to him. And a thief said to him, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise, because his steadfast love endures forever. And he endured the agony of that cross. He endured all of it. He, went, he tasted death itself, even though he was God. He is God in the flesh. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And for 40 days, he showed himself risen bodily from the dead. He ascended into heaven so that he may send the Holy Spirit unto his church so that they would be bold witnesses of the gospel because his steadfast love endures forever. And note, when I say forever, that does not mean it ended when the Bible was finished. It did not end when the book of Revelation was written at the latest, 100 A.D. It still carries all through the generations. Every single person, all of creation has tasted his steadfast love. And most specifically, those who receive that gospel who were brought to the baptismal font and heard, and the words were said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Claimed, washed, cleaned, clothed in Christ. A new identity because a steadfast love endures forever. You hear that steadfast love every time you hear the scriptures. And you actually taste it, you smell it, you touch it in the body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. You receive that steadfast love which endures forever. When it says forever, it means forever. And it doesn't say, well, you need to, get to, be, you need to be a little bit smarter. For that love. It doesn't say that you have to be, you have to look like the, some supermodel or whatever in order for that love. He doesn't tell you that you have to be more athletic, that you have to be a certain person that you are not. He doesn't tell you that you need to get your act together in order for this love to get going. He doesn't tell you you have to have so many good deeds, you have to pray so many prayers. 
No, because his steadfast love endures forever. And he doesn't look at your sin and say, you know what, I know those things you said. He doesn't look at you and say, I know that you have lied. And I know every lie that you said from the biggest to the smallest to that littlest white lie. He knows that. He knows every time that you got angry unnecessarily. He knows every time you lost temper with your children or your family members or your kids. He knows every time that you did not honor those who were in authority. He knows those times that you did not give thanks for everyone, including, did you notice in that reading from 1 Timothy, that includes your political leaders, which means right now you're supposed to give thanks for President Donald Trump. In a few months, if it holds, you're supposed to also give thanks for President Joe Biden. And you note, Paul did not say only give thanks for those you like. He's talking about a guy who would execute, eventually execute him. He said you're supposed to give thanks for him. So, but he knows that we don't honor those in authority. We don't give thanks for everyone. He knows that we have gossiped. He knows how we've talked about others. He knows every little sin that you have, every little temptation, that time when you drank a little too much, that time that you became hateful and vengeful towards others. He knows every single sin. And you know what? His steadfast love endures forever. And the other day I was, so I talked about this a couple sermons ago. I talked about one of the great, one of the new avenues for spreading the gospel these days is turning into video gaming on a stream called Twitch. It's, it's kind of like YouTube for video gamers. And there's actually a group that's called God Mode Activated. There are whole, there's about 300 pastors using the internet to spread the gospel. Some of them have like 300 people every, every time they're, on the str they're streaming. It even got highlighted on the Colbert Report, got highlighted on some mainstream website. But there's one that I've kind of had gotten in conversation with, and... They were, talk, were talking about this person who was wondering whether or not she was saved. Because she was talking about all the things that she had done, that she had, you know, I've gotten this part of my life in order, I have done this, I have done that, and I'm not sure if I am saved, because I'm not sure if I've done enough. I don't quite feel it. And that is something we tend, that's exactly what the devil loves to get us to do. Whenever we begin to wonder about the love of God, wonder about our salvation, who do we, we, he always wants us to get us to look in the mirror and say, does that look like somebody that God can love? And the devil will get you, he'll work on you for a little while, he'll say, oh yeah, you're okay. For, he might get you thinking for a little bit, but eventually he might get you noticing someone else. It's like, but I'm not as together as that person. And you begin to doubt and wonder. 
Instead, you are always to just look to the cross. Look to the one on the cross and say, was that for me? Yes. You, your salvation has never, ever, when you're wondering whether or not you're saved, never, ever look at yourself. Every time you look at yourself, you will get in trouble. Always look to Jesus. For his steadfast love endures forever. That is what we cling to. And that is the reason for which we could give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That is reason we give thanks to the God of gods in response to his steadfast love forever, which endures forever. We give thanks and praise and honor to him for all things and all circumstances. Yes, literally every circumstance. You know Philippians 4 where it says, do not be anxious? Philippians 4 verse 6, it's the very first words, it says, do not be anxious. This is a case... And in case you don't, I don't know if you realize this, but the verse numbers are not divinely inspired. They are, it's, somebody put the Bible verse numbers like about a thousand years after the Bible was completed. They did this to basically help people to be able to easily find a verse. The problem is sometimes they don't always end up in the best of spots. Philippians 4 verse 6 is an example of this. Because if you look even in your English text, you'll notice that the word do is not capitalized. What does that mean? You're in the middle of a sentence, which means you need to look at the words before it. Because right before it, and, and by the way, as I was working on preparing on the sermon, that was my original plan. I was originally going to pre preach on Philippians 4. And I read through that many times, and I kept running right past the start of that sentence, which said, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. So in other words, the reason you do not have to be anxious, what, the reason you can, cannot be anxious, so to speak, is because, think of all of what 2020 has been happened. As you watch that video, and we've you've heard in both videos, you know, why, what reason is there to give thanks? How do COVID just won't go away. We keep dealing with all the effects and consequences with it. And we think maybe, possibly, 2020 comes to an end and we turn into 2021 and everything will be better. We thought that, we thought that everything would be better as soon as the election happened. That hasn't worked. So we wonder, how can we give thanks? How can we not be anxious? Because... The Lord is at hand. The Lord is always near to you. The Lord whose steadfast love endures forever. The Lord who says that he works for the good of all those whom he has chosen. The Lord who brought salvation by the cross. The Lord who has delivered his steadfast love to you in the word and in the sacraments. He is always near. He is with you in the darkest of times and the most trying of times. That is why you don't have to be anxious. Anxiety comes from not trusting. So we look to him and we pray 
that he would move our hearts to be trusting of him, to be thankful, because indeed, his steadfast love endures forever until we experience the fullness of his kingdom. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lead, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting.